It's been a bizarre week. It's been a weird week. It's been everything in between here in Melbourne. We've just come off an earthquake today, but around the world, tennis is resuming as normal. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo, and uh, Joel Frucci joins me. Joel, what the hell is going on in our city? <laughs> oh, Val, who the bloody hell knows? I mean, honestly, it is a surreal time to be living in the city of Melbourne at the moment. Um, no, but you know what? It was... Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good afternoon to be uh, sort of rediscovering my uh, REM phase, um, just listening to, uh, you know, it's the end of the world as we know it on repeat. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just honestly, let's be real. Like, <laughs> it has been a insane week. It has. I mean, honestly, I think we'll run out of superlatives by the end of the show, but it's just, it has been a week in Melbourne. It really has. Yeah, well, look, what was, how did it start? I can't even remember. Sunday was, Sunday was just a weird just weird day. Monday there well, was Sunday was another day of uh, not being able to do anything. Yep. Um, and so, then Monday was uh, another day of not being able to do anything. Except there were protests. There were protests on Monday, um, but it wasn't. And that was at the CMF. That was at the union. So they were having a go at the union boss, John Setka, and and Daniel Andrews, our premier here in Victoria. And then uh, yesterday they took it to kind of a new level. They went. Uh, they yeah. stopped. Now look, in if, for the international listeners, we've got two bridges in Melbourne. We've got the Balti. And we've got the Westgate. The Westgate, the Westgate is a monstrosity. It's huge. It's longer than the Sydney Harbour Bridge <laughs> and should be given the same plot. It's hundred percent. Westgate is better. It's not, but um, it's, it's just because it's <laughs> Melbourne. Um, but they stormed the Westgate, which is a freeway. So we have got a freeway shut down because protesters are on there. And today they've gone to the Shrine of Remembrance, which is our sort of our Melbourne's war memorial and our respect to the army it's here the most, in Melbourne. It's, it's the most sacred place. For any international listeners, it's the most sacred place in the city of Melbourne. Yep. I would I would agree with that. And it has and they've just left rubbish and everything there. So just morons. We'll get to more of them later. But then to top it all off, Melbourne doesn't well, doesn't really have any earthquakes, really. We don't really Never. get many natural disasters. The last one was in 2009, but it was very, very minor. That was on September 22. On September 22, 2001, what do you think happens, Joel? Another bloody earthquake. <laughs> yeah. Another bloody earthquake. And, yeah, this one, in the sense of what we're used to in Melbourne, it was a big bloody earthquake. Mm. I think it was – I think they measured it at uh, – it was anywhere between 5.6 and – and six on the Richter scale. I think they might have settled on maybe five point eight or something, or even even six. Who knows? But we like to dramatize things, it. so it was it was six. Yeah, um, but you could feel it. I don't know about you though, like, and because you're in a you're in an apartment building as well, but just at my house, um, yeah, like the the walls started shaking. Um, it was like it was like a good song. Line. I can't remember who sings it. Like the walls. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, everything starts starts shaking, and then you know my, my brother comes down and he's like, "Did you feel that? What the hell was that?" And then, yeah, sure enough, mum and dad, what the hell was that? And then um, all, the, all the text messages just start flooding in. What the hell was that? And everyone's just talking about the earthquake. But, like, what was it like for, for you and uh, your, your, your lovely Rachel, like, in the, uh, in the apartment building? I can't imagine that would have been a fun experience. No, definitely not. So I was, uh, I was on the phone to a colleague of mine at work, and, um, and we've, I've interrupted what he was saying, going, hang on, hang on mate, my, my building is shaking because I could hear we've got a little like a couple of shelves above the kitchen where we've got some glasses and stuff and they were all rattling. So I had to get up and hold those and and the building was still shaking mm. and I'm standing there going, is this actually going to stop? Like what's going on? 
Um, so there was a bit of the proverbial in the undergarments, but um, yeah, it was um, it was it was so bizarre. And yeah, Rach was actually at the at the Royal Melbourne Hospital um, where she works oh. in the medical workforce team, and the whole building was shaking apparently, and and it was really loud. And my grandparents live on the sixteenth floor in their building, and um, and they were the same building was going from side to side and yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was just absolutely bizarre. And you see the footage of the poor business owners that they've gone through a lockdown and especially the restaurants and so on, they've gone through lockdown and, and not been able to, um, to, to make as much of a living as they, what, as what they would have done if things were open. And then all of a sudden you look at some of the places in, in Chapel Street, which is a really famous shopping strip here in Melbourne and, and dining strip. And you've got Betty's Burgers. The f- shop front is completely destroyed. And same with some places in Fitzroy as well, which I'm sure international listeners have probably been to if they've been to Melbourne. So really just a bizarre week. Hopefully things uh, things open up and uh, and we will talk some tennis because we've waffled on a little bit about earthquakes and protests and lockdowns <laughs> and, and everything in between. But we do have Mike Bellardi from uh, Slinger Bag joining us. This is one of the new innovations in tennis and I'm so excited for uh, listeners to, to hear what Mike has to say. He's the CEO and they've done a wonderful job in innovating the sport of tennis, innovating coaching, innovating practicing and how we practice and how we go about their biz- uh, that sort of business. And um, I, I can't wait for everyone to hear what he has to say because it is going to transcend the tennis world and we're really, really keen to pump this out because they deserve it. They're a wonderful company and what they've been able to do. But look, first things first, Joel, uh, the Labor Cup starting uh, this week, if, if you haven't seen, um, with all the things that are going yeah. on in Melbourne, it's kind of snuck under the radar, but um, it's it's good to have it back considering its cancellation last year and and, and we weren't able to experience the, the team nature of tennis, um, I, I guess, because we missed out on the Davis Cup, we we only got the ATP Cup in January, but there wasn't really much of a crowd there this year. So it'd be good to see full crowds in Boston and, and everyone getting around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, another one of those events that we uh, that we missed out on um, last year. I really do like the Labor Cup, as you said, Val. We, you know, team tennis is is great fun. Let's let's face it. Um, yeah, I guess you want to run us through the teams actually, and, and we'll have a bit of a, a bit of a chat about it, but. What I will say is that we were talking about it a bit off air about those teams and geez, Team World, they have, as good as Team Europe is, Team World, Jesus, do they have some serving power? Yeah, well, they've got the so-called ATP serve bots, or two of them at least. Uh, Denis Shapovalov <laughs> starts the team for Team World and uh, Diego Schwartzman, who actually lost to the world number 63 junior in Davis Cup qualifiers this week. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. Daniel Ostapenkov, and we've got another Daniel, so if he's anything as charismatic as our main Daniel Medvedev, then we are in for an awesome career, but phenomenal stuff from uh, from the young Belarusian. Um, then Felix Auger-Aliassime, Riley Apelka, John Isner, and Australian Nick Kyrgios running out the team. Kyrgios does love the Labor Cup. He's got the hairdo suited for. He's got a tennis ball shaved into the back of his head, which is uh, very questionable, but um, uh, we know how Nick rolls. It's on and, brand. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much that's all we can say. Um, but And then we've got Team Europe as well. And look at this team, Joel. Daniel Medvedev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Alexander Zverev, Andrei Rublev, Matteo Berrettini, Ooh. and Kasper Ruud, the unfriendly ghost. Not bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good is an understatement. When, when all six are in the top 10 and Rafa, Roger, and Novak aren't playing, that's, that, that's on another level with how good this team yeah. is. And... Um, yeah, uh, look, they've won the first three editions of the Labor Cup Team Europe. 
And I think Beyond Porg's team are probably going to do it again because I, I, I can see Shapovalov and Auger Aliasim causing some damage. And, and same with Diego, but I don't think Apalka, Isna, and Kyrgios probably will too much. You, you, you never know in this sort of environment. And I think if Rublev do, does play singles, they'll put him up against John Isner because he's gone zero and three against the big serving American and he hates playing him. So if I'm team world, I'm putting <laughs> Isner straight in to play Andre Rublev. Yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, that's, that's your, your dream grade six uh, bat tennis team. Um, but, um, <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, I think it look as good as, as good as the, the serving power is of, of team world. It's just, it's hard to look past uh, you know, Team Europe. When you just look at the all-round game that that they have, I think uh, you know everything's got to go right. The, the serve really has to be on for some of those guys. Isner, Palka, Kyrgios, for them to really make an indent on on those guys. You, you would think um, if it's if it's slightly off and, and you kind of give those guys a bit of an in, then you know as we've seen in the past, that's when that's when those taller guys can can be brought down a notch. Yeah, you're right, and and I, I think the the returning capabilities of what um what Medvedev have, and then and then I think the firepower of Berrettini, um and Zverev, and then you've got the flashiness of, of Tsitsipas and the power of Andre Rublev, and just the all court speed of of Kasper Ruud and the form that he's been in. I I think that that will probably prove to be too much. But then again, you've got Nick Kyrgios who does love the team environment. And that's very understated, I think, because he really relishes mm. playing in these in, in these uh, tournaments and getting these opportunities. Yeah. So this is where I think John McEnroe, if he can fire the team up, I, I just think they lack the all-court ability, though. Yeah, I think so. Look, I think if if we look at a guy like Nick as a sample size, though, I think I think he's the kind of guy, um, as you said there, that would really thrive in this. Because I, I don't know, maybe he'll he'll see it as one of those ones where, you know, not, not to not to say that it's it's kind of like a free run for these guys, but I feel like he might he might sort of have a bit of fun with it, um, and and just kind of have, you know, a bit of a free swing, so to speak. Um, yeah, it, it is the kind of environment that he likes, as you said, and I think definitely for those team world guys. I mean, clearly they're going to be the underdog. So I think I think if you're if you're your McEnroe, then you've got to probably take that on board and maybe even harness that and just say, you know what, just go out, have some fun with it and and just, just swing your hearts out and just try and blast these guys off the court maybe. But that's what this event is, I think, Joel. And, and yeah. well, I think it's the... I mean, there's something at stake, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this event is. I, th- I think Federer's... Uh, kind of come up with it as the brainchild to, to honor Rod Laver, who doesn't have really anything apart from a big arena um, named in his honor. Yeah. But um, I think a tournament in his honor and a team tournament, especially when the Davis Cup has changed so much and you've got the introduction yeah. of the ATP Cup, I think this is kind of where tennis might be heading in terms of seeing more more events like this. And we've got the rumor that the Hotman Cup might be coming back, um, but on an international scale. So um, so, so that might be something that, that we see again. And I think that's the one key element missing the men's and women's combined, which I think we had, it was brilliant in Perth, but the ATP cup has come in and usurped that. So do we see a WTA cup? Is that, is that where we're going to go? Um, I, I'd like to see that. I think that would go really well. I would and love to see one. And then you get the fans. I, I would involved. love to see one. Yep. And, 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 and you, know, you know why? Sorry to cut you off, Bella. You know why? It's because there's a really even spread of, of, Fantastic players, top end players on on the WTA. Obviously, there's a lot of great ones in Europe, but also we see 
you know, we see Ash Bartish from obviously our neck of the woods in Australia. Um, and there's just countless women, countless women coming through the ranks in the States um, and even in, in Canada to an extent. So, um, you know, I think that'd be really good. I actually think it would probably be more evenly matched um, than, than what the men are um, when it comes to Team Europe versus, oh, versus yeah. Team World. So, yeah, so I think I think look now that now that um, I guess the ATP have kind of pioneered this kind of idea. Um, yeah, look, I would love to see the WTA um, sort of follow suit and and create their own thing because I think it would be great fun to watch. And there is meaning for this because they get ATP match wins so they count towards their career mm, totals yeah. and career head-to-heads as well so this gives them that extra incentive to actually say oh hang on hang on this is you know yeah. this is going to reflect on me in the future you know people are going to look at my head-to-head say Shapovalov against Medvedev and say oh hang on no he beat him at the Labor Cup that year that added to you know that might be the difference between someone winning a head-to-head and someone losing a head-to-head record. So I'm really excited about the Labor Cup this year, the atmosphere that it's going to bring, and they get world broadcasters as well. So this is is something that I... I, And look, admittedly, I loathed this idea at first. I hated it. I thought, why the hell are we investing in an ATP Cup? Why are we investing in in the Labor Cup? Keep the Davis Cup as it is. But I think with how appalling the Davis Cup was in 2019, I think these mm. are the events that are actually going to overtake it and show that this is what the Davis Cup misses. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think certainly with the Labor Cup, um, obviously with the, with the ATP Cup and, yeah, the, I guess the Davis Cup, if we want to throw that in, in the sense of what it's been, there is that kind of national attachment where – you've got players representing their country and, you know, that, that should be a privilege in itself. It really speaks for itself. And then from a fan's point of view, you know, everyone can, can get behind it for, for obvious reasons. Um, whereas I think the Labor Cup is, you know, obviously you've got Europe versus everyone else. So, you know, there's no real kind of patriotic attachment, I guess, but you know what it is overall, it's just, it's a celebration of tennis. It's just, it's the best guys, in the world from one part of the world against, you know, the best guys from another part of the world. And what's great is, you know, they get something out of it. They get ranking points. Um, and I don't know if they get the points. Fans, I don't know if they get points, well, but they get their head-to-head yeah, well, head record at least. Yes, yeah, I stand corrected on that, on that. But they get something out of it. And as fans, you know, we get something out of it in that we get to watch the best players in the world go up against each other. Exceptional tennis. So... Yeah, I think it's a win-win. Yep, uh, I agree. And look, if if we can continue to get the same caliber of players that we've been getting every year, and, and I think the determination of this success, I think, will come after the tournament. If this tournament is a resounding success and gets the fans and gets the publicity, then it can continue on because this is the one where mm. there aren't two members of the big three. They've always had Roger and Rafa, Roger and Novak, and then Roger and Rafa again. And now, with none of the big three participating, this is where the Labor Cup, I think, has its biggest test yet. If it does well, then I think it's a resounding success. If not, then tennis probably needs a few marketable, few more marketable athletes rather than what the big three are. Yeah. But I think it's going to do yeah, well anyway. Sure. It's it's a great it's a great tournament. It's a great format, and I think we're going to see something really cool here. It's uh, at the um, in Boston. I can't remember what the arena is called. Actually, let's have a look here. It's uh, TD Garden 
at uh, Boston. So very excited. They've all been hanging around the uh, the capital of Massachusetts and and loving life. So, Boston. Yep, but that was very good, Joel. Boston. Boston. Um, I can't do uh, American accents are always the hardest one to get with that twang. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. And look, moving to closer to home. What do you reckon is going to happen in Melbourne for the uh, for the Aussie summer? Because oh, I'm boy. a little worried. Oh, Val, where do we start with this? <laughs> it's it's hard to say because let's face it, in in this city at the moment, we don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone what's going to happen in January. And you know what's really sad about that? We were saying the exact same thing at this time last year when we interviewed. Um, Martin Pakula, uh, and we would talk to him, um, of course, for our overseas listeners. Uh, he's a member of the, of the uh, Victorian State Parliament, and he's in charge of um, of sport, tourism, and, and events, among other things. He's got a huge amount of, of things in his portfolio. But, um, yeah, we were pretty much talking about the same thing. And unfortunately for us, the situation hasn't really improved from a, a COVID point of view. Yes, there's a lot more people vaccinated, and we're, and we're getting there. But I, I just don't think we really know what any governments, federal or the states uh, around Australia have have planned. I don't think anyone really knows what they're going to do. They've just been unpredictable the whole time. I certainly hope that, um, you know, if we don't have a summer series like we did um, or um, if we, you know, if, if tournaments can't be held in the cities that they are supposed to be held in, we at least, you know, get a summer series like we did last year. Um but, you know, I guess what, what I'm just really hopeful of, uh, Val, is when the Australian Open comes around, um, that we actually have an AO where, you know, an AO that was prior to COVID. You know, we saw it with the US Open. We saw it with Wimbledon in the last sort of week and a half, let's say. Um, it was it was kind of pre-COVID days. Um, I want to see that at Melbourne Park. Um, you know, for, for me... Uh, January when the Australian Open is on is like is like Christmas all over again. It's my favourite time of the year. There is nothing more that I love on a on a beautiful Melbourne summer's night, going from work, um, taking a short walk down to to Melbourne Park and, and going to the tennis and spending my night um, at the tennis. You know, going to um, going to Grand Slam Oval or wh- wherever it is or Garden Square and you know having a having a drink, watching on the screen or actually you know going to an arena, whether it's an outside court, getting a ground pass or going to RLA, going to Margaret Court Arena. I just love being there. Yep. And we we, we went um, this year, we went and watched Dominic Team versus Nick Kyrgios at, uh, at Melbourne Arena, which or John Kane Arena as it, is, as it is now. And that was a fantastic match. Don't get me wrong. That was, that was an incredible match of tennis. But it was just a, a really, a really strange environment. Because um, we knew we were about we were to have what, to leave. Yeah, we were allowed, I think, we were allowed 50% capacity yep. um, on, on that night until, what, 9 o'clock when everyone had to go home or 11 o'clock whenever it was. And, um, you know, I remember listening to AR Radio on the way home on the train um, when Novak Djokovic, I'll never forget, when Novak Djokovic was on court against Taylor Fritz and they had to stop play to get everyone out um, mid-match. It was just bizarre. And, you know, it just, overall, the tournament just just didn't feel the same. It didn't, it didn't have the same pizzazz. You know, there's no doubt that I was happy that the, the tournament was going on, but it just wasn't the same. It didn't feel right. Um, and I just hope to holy hell that going into next year, that the, the key people see the light and just let us go to the tennis. And 
not only that, I hope that they don't play hardball with the players because obviously what was a massive deterrent last year and fortunately a lot of the players still turned up, but if the players have to do 14 days of quarantine again, they are not coming back. No. Let's face it, they're not coming. So look, I just hope that the key, the key people have faith in vaccination, in vaccination, which is what we're all being told to do collectively as a, as a global community, have belief in the vaccine. If, if the people in charge really believe in the vaccine, they will let this event go ahead as per pre-COVID. Yep. Let the players come in. Let them train. Let them get out and about. Let the fans go in there. Let them roam around. Let them do what they want. You couldn't have said it any better, Joel. I, I agree. And, and I think the one thing that players will have to get in their head is that they will have to be vaccinated to come here. And that's, oh, and, and that's, that's a non-negotiable. And I should I add, yeah, and I should add as well, Val. I should add as well. Um, for people that want to get in, it should be jab only. I'm, yep. I'm going to just going to leave that out there. Yeah, I, I, look, it's it's very hard to disagree with them. We know we don't like forcing people to do things, but um, yeah, I, I think that's the way that it's going, and and that's the way that it's looking like it is going to be. And the players will just have to get vaccinated if they're going to come in, and that's a big hint, hint to uh, one Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, considering what he was saying last year, very, very interesting indeed. But um, yeah, I think it'll go ahead. Just what capacity it remains unknown. I think we are heading towards another Melbourne Summer Series. Um, and where that leaves the ATP Cup, I'm not sure. Um, we'll have to do a bit more digging on that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's at least it looks as though it's going to go ahead. And, that, and that's something that we can, can at least get excited about considering... We've lost pretty much everything else sporting-wise here in Melbourne. We've lost the Grand Prix. We've lost the AFL Grand Final. Haven't had any NRL finals here at all. The Melbourne Storm finished on top of the ladder. So hopefully we can see the tennis go ahead and hopefully we can see the cricket go ahead as well because that's we are the sporting capital of the world here in Melbourne. We have a Grand Prix. We have the MCG. We have a Grand Slam. We have everything there is to offer in sport here in Melbourne. And yep. hopefully that we can showcase that again soon and showcase the wonderful city that we are in terms of a sporting arena and in general, because we were voted the most livable city for seven years in a row, Joel. And I don't even think we're in the top 10 anymore. So oh, maybe not we, at the moment. We are, we are so far away from that. It's not even funny. No, yeah, the, <laughs> We are miles away from that. Yep. 100%. And uh, look on, on, uh, on that note, we probably should end the depressing discussion and talk about something exciting because we're going to chat to Slinger Bag CEO, Mike Bellati. Now, Joel, when you practice tennis, convenience is something that's very important, isn't it? I, I, I think so. Sure. And, and you want something and you want to make it as easy as possible when you do, when you do go out and practice. And, and what's, the, what's the biggest pain that you find when, when, when you are practicing? I think the biggest pain, Val, is, is not having enough, enough room necessarily. Like in your, in your bag, there's so much stuff you need to carry around. Like you've got your, your jackets and the balls and your bottles, um, you know, obviously I'm at a very, uh, quite a low level of, uh, of the sport is playing, uh, playing amateur tennis out the back um, at the at Bank Tennis Club. But, um, you know, you're only going to really look at a guy like Rafael Nadal and um, some of the elite athletes in our sport, just how dedicated they are to, to things like routine, organisation, and just how important that is to go through a process and just tick all the boxes. That's exactly right, Joel. And we have found a product and it's been going gangbusters around the world because it is fantastic. This, It's called Slinger Bag and it's a, it's a ball launcher. And it's not only a ball launcher, it's got space for a wallet. 
72 tennis balls, keys, towel, absolutely everything. It can even charge your phone. It has a phone camera holder, a USB charging cable. It is phenomenal. And they've signed up people like Darren Cahill, Patrick Moritoglu, and they're distributed at Tennis Only in Australia. So you can get them. They're accessible. They're brilliant. And their CEO, Mike Bellardi, does join us on the line from London. Mike, how are you? And thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, great. Great to be on, Val. Joel, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, talk to us about the um, the evolution of Slinger Bag and what's uh, w- um, how it's sort of transcended into the tennis world and how the how the pandemic, I guess, has um, has increased purchases or increased numbers. Yeah, no, happy to do so. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the kind of concept of Slinger Bag really it's a product designed by tennis players for tennis players, which is as Joel said, which is why it's actually so convenient and and, and so popular right now. Uh, you know, my background, I, I you know, uh, I've been involved in tennis all my life as a player at one time, quite a good junior, you know, played on the satellite circuits for a while. I've been a professional coach. And then, you know, f- you know, for the best part of my life, I've been involved in some of the big tennis companies. I, I ran the Wilson business uh, for a long time in racket sports uh, for the Europe, Middle East and Africa kind of areas. And most recently spent uh, 15 years at, at Prince, you know, where ultimately I was the CEO. So, you know, I know tennis inside out, you know, not, you know, from a player level at the highest level, signing top athletes to, to the brands, of course, but also at a low level, uh, you know, trying to grow the game. I was sat on the board of the Tennis Industry Association for the best part of 15 years, maybe, um, you know, and I've been involved in a lot of initiatives which have been, you know, geared at getting more people to play tennis. But I have to say that the, this idea of the slinger bag is one that really resonates well with, with pretty much every player, whether you are an elite athlete, uh, whether you're a professional coach, whether you're just starting out in tennis, or whether you're someone who used to play tennis and feels that now in the pandemic, tennis is something you'd like to try again. Um, you know, we've had a full range of uh, consumers really come up, come, come and, you know, tell us how happy they are with, with the product. Um, the story of Slinger is quite interesting because uh, it was the idea of Slinger was was generated by a guy in, in Israel called Joe. Uh, you know, he's a very successful business guy at one level, but he's he's a crazy tennis player. He loves tennis so much so that he plays a couple of hours a day. You know, he's uh, he consumes everything to do that there is with tennis. And um, you know, one you know the biggest challenge, you know, a little bit to Joel's point, the biggest challenge in tennis actually is finding someone to play with. Um, you know, you need two people and actually you need two people who are of a similar standard. Otherwise, tennis is a very difficult game to play. This is why Joel and I don't play with each other. <laughs> He's much better than I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, that's the big, that's the challenge for everybody. No matter how good you're, you know, you are at tennis, it's finding someone to play with <clears throat> and finding a, re- a regular playing partner. And one day, you know, Joe, you know, his part, his playing partners were, <clears throat> you know, all tied up and, he simply, uh, you know, pulled out the big traditional ball machine from the pro shop. He found it incredibly cumbersome, difficult to use. Uh, took him best part of an hour to get it organized and working, and he gave up in the end. Uh, and he just had a light bulb moment and said, "Hey, well, you know, it must be a simpler way of doing it. You know, why can't we put a, you know, a ball launcher into a trolley bag, typical trolley bag?" And essentially, that's the kernel of, a, of an idea that today is the slinger bag. And, and as you say, as you said earlier, you know, the slinger bag for me is my analogy is always with golf. If you're a golfer, your golf bag has everything in it that you ever need to go play golf uh, down to your uh, Snickers bars or whatever it might be. 
Um, um, and of course, you typically a golfer will keep his golf bag, you know, maybe in the trunk of his car. And if he has an hour, he'll go to the driving range and hit a few golf balls. Um, you know, that has never been available to a tennis player until now. And Slinger Bag basically facilitates that. It's a bag where you can put everything into the bag itself that you need for tennis, including your rackets, all your kit, you know, actually up to 144 balls, you know, it'll hold. Um, all the, it has everything you need. And it's been really well thought out by tennis players for tennis players. And you keep it in your car. And when you have an hour, you go play tennis. And you don't need a partner. Um, and actually, you don't need a tennis court. If you, if you looked on our Instagram, you'll see a lot of people using the slinger bag during the pandemic, you know, in their backyards, uh, on the streets, uh, in all kinds of weird places, um, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that make, make, make just, I mean, tennis is hitting tennis balls. It doesn't really matter, you know, <laughs> what you wear or how you do it, as long as you do it. And, you know, that's what the game needs. And slinger bags facilitating that. Yeah, it covers a hell of a lot of bases. And one thing that's, uh, that really interests me, Mike, about, um, I guess, entrepreneurship and new products, new businesses, new ideas is, um, I guess, you, you've spoken a bit about uh, the light bulb moment that you had to, um, you know, come up, sort of come up with the idea and, and evolve it, I guess. Like, was there a moment in time where you kind of had to really commit yourself and you decided that, yes, you're going to chase this idea because... Um, like sometimes I just hear a lot about, you know, people have these ideas and, you know, they're kind of toing and froing a bit about whether they want to want to chase them up and actually get things going. So like, was there a point in time where you were like, yes, I'm going to do this? Well, yeah, yeah. I think um, actually back in 2018, when, when this kind of whole Slinger concept was, you know, in its infancy, um, you know, Slinger decided to test the market, uh, the concept in the market through a Kickstarter campaign, which is kind of a, you know, a program where people, you know, can invest in the company a little bit or invest in a new product to, uh, to some extent. Um, um, and, 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 you know, they, they did this really, you know, not to raise money, or, but really to prove that the concept was going to be of interest to tennis players. And believe it or not, you know, within 30 days, I think they'd sold uh, three and a half thousand slinger bags all over the world. Wow. You know, from, you know, people in Australia to India to uh, obviously the US and Europe. Um, you know, you know, the whole array, the whole spectrum of people who found it, you know, like the idea, like the concept and bought one. And so, you know, that that really was the proof in the pudding that said, um, you know, this thing has got legs. You know, now we need to evolve it into a, a product that, um, you know, uh, has the quality and the performance and the durability to, you know, to be, a, be something that people will consider to be a standard piece of tennis equipment. You know, that's when the real work started. So, you know, um, these three and a half thousand people who ultimately got the very first slinger bags. And if I remember off the top of my head, there was like 50 of them in Australia. 50, these are the early adopter tennis players. So they're probably listening to this podcast and thinking, yeah, that was me. Um, you know, <laughs> these are the people who helped us um, steer the company and steer the product down a path uh, to, to where it is today. So, you know, they, they got their slinger bags in, you know, I'm going to say June of last year, 2020. Um, and, you know, they were the first ones in the world to get it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're an important group, not only for Slinger, but in, for tennis in general, I would say. Well, that's exactly right, because they have proved that it, it does work. And what you've come out to do has transcended the tennis community. And you've managed to secure the likes of Darren Cahill, Patrick Moritoglu 
and others. And I saw Nick Boliteri as well has gotten around the Slinger bag. So tell us about how you marketed it to them and, and what the um and what the goal was setting out to get some high-end tennis figures to use Slinger bag and, and how your experience at Prince and Wilson uh, kind of aided that in, in signing those people. Yeah, I think, you know, just in general, you know, how we started with Slingerbag was that, that these three and a half thousand people became, a, you know, an advertising vehicle for us in, the, in themselves because, you know, the old adage that they, you know, they told 10 of their friends and blah, blah, blah. The whole thing actually, you know, the demand for Slinger really spiraled upwards from, from the moment we delivered those three and a half thousand bags. Because I think in, a, in, in these Kickstarter campaigns, often the products, you know, themselves, they don't actually come to fruition. It's a bit of a gamble that so we did. We brought it to market. And sometimes when they come to market, they don't work as well as anticipated, but this actually did. And so, you know, the message boards and the social media, you know, suddenly started to light up, you know, with these people talking about Slingerbag. Our, our, our path to, to the top players really started with us deciding to invest some money in, in seeding the Slingerbag to, you know, high, high social uh, media users, uh, influencers and others, some in tennis, some outside of tennis. And it included me reaching out to some of the top athletes and coaches that I've known for many years, like Nick Bollettieri. Nick was one of the first um, that, that we approached with it. And, and to be honest with Nick, you know, he's never endorsed a teaching product in his life. And he's 80 years old now. And he's, he's coached 10 number one players, but he's, believe it or not, never endorsed a coaching product until now. And, you know, we, we, we spent some time with him, showed him the slinger bag. And, you know, he, his, his light bulb moment was that for him, you know, it meant that he could actually stand on the side of the court of his pupil and talk to him, you know, as he's hitting the ball rather than shout at him from the other side of the net. You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, so he so he's a huge advocate now of slinger bag, as is Darren. You know, Darren's a great guy. Actually, you know, many moons ago, he was a prince, prince athlete when he was playing. And, you know, of course, he's had great success on the, on the court coaching. And, um, you know, we got in contact with Darren. He, he's one of these guys that actually is a, is, a, is a pleasure to have as part of the company, along with Mike and Bob Bryan, I've got to say. You know, these guys are real professionals in what they do. They, they really get behind the companies that they endorse. And, you know, Darren has spent the last couple of weeks uh, prior to the U.S. Open doing some uh, videos, training videos for us, which we're going to post over the coming months, you know, showing how to use the slinger bag and how to use certain practice drills and things like that. Same as Patrick Moritagli. We had a team of slinger people down in Nice at his academy a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, doing the same thing with him and all of his coaches. And actually on social media recently, Patrick was... Uh, Prior to the U.S. Open, he was, uh, you know, working on the rehab of Serena, and they were using the slinger bag, and they posted that. that. So, all, all of these things, you know, helped, um, you know. And I have to say, on the other side of the spectrum, coming back to the influencers, we had some crazy. We had a couple of weeks ago, we had a crazy day where, at one at one level, we had uh, some ex-professional players like Kim Kleisters, uh, you know, uh, posting about using her slinger bag as she's trying to think about a comeback, or Jeannie Bouchard using it, or Actually, Darren's player, Simona Hallett, was using it. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we had some of the social media giants, Kendall Jenner, who's got, I don't know, 100 million followers, you know, posted mm. using it. You know, so that's a little weird, you know. So uh, people had to explain to me who she was. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, apparently it, it did us. We had a great spike in sales for the next few days after she posted. So, yeah, so we, you know, we you have to make a bit of luck in in business, and you know, I think uh, all of the ambassadors that we have and the players that we have, 
um, you know, have, have really helped in that. And, you know, talking about the players, because of my contacts at Prince and Wilson over the years, you know, I know most of the agents and know many of the players myself, um, you know, and I've been lucky enough to be able to send, I think we got 12 of the top 20 ATP men, including Djokovic and Federer and Nadal, all these guys have got a slinger bag. When we, you know, we don't we don't ask them to endorse us. We're not giving them anything. We just sent them a bag during lockdown, and and you know we you know I've got videos, you know which we can't use, but I've got videos of them using it. So you know for me that was just another, you know, tick in the box to say hey you know these the top players like using it as well. So. But that's where it's a brilliant idea because and I think using it as a coaching method. You can what? When did the idea to actually put a phone holder in there or in the slinger bag as part of it, so you could charge it as well? In terms of a modernization into into make it a, a more modern ball launcher, but also as a coaching tactic, so that the phone can be held there, positioned on the court, watching the pupil strike the ball while a coach talks to them, and then they can analyze the footage from the other side of the net later on. So, when did that idea come through? Yeah, well, actually pretty early on because, you know, in, in tennis now, um, there are a lot of apps available. And in fact, Slinger is launching an app in a few weeks, which is, um, you know, I'll tell you about a bit later. But uh, there's a lot lot of, um, you know, apps available where you can analyze, you know, get coaching tips and analyze uh, your, uh, your performance by uploading videos. Uh, and actually just the social media age, a lot of, you know, people just like sharing on Facebook or wherever it might be, or Instagram, they like sharing their, their, their video footage, you know, and so we thought, you know, here, you know, let's just put a, 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 um, a device on, you know, into the bag that can be attached to the trolley handle that can actually act as a, you know, to hold your mobile phone to video yourself while you play. It's a very simple device, but it's a pretty cool idea. And of course, because the, the, um, the product runs, you know, off a battery, a lithium battery. So, you know, of course you can charge your phone and, and at the same time and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, um, yeah, we've had, a, if you, again, if you go onto our Instagram page, you'll see a lot of videos that have been done with, with the phone, you know, in the camera holder attached to the trolley bag, you know, whether it's to, uh, you know, someone having a coaching lesson or just people having fun, you know, it's just made the, made the uh, it's just made the bag a little bit more, interesting you know as a tennis product i would say but you know there is a you know there's a bigger picture behind it which is that tennis analytics is going to become more and more important and i, I know in australia that tennis australia signed up with a company called swing vision um you know where people can you know uh, you know upload videos and get some coaching tips or you know get some analysis on you know how fast their serve was or how much spin was on the ball which is all you know nice and additive to tennis itself you know, Slinger, we've, we've been partnering with an Australian company, actually, an artificial intelligence company. And, you know, in a few weeks time, we're launching a Slinger app, which is going to bring a level of tennis analytics. I don't think has ever been was well, never been seen before, never. Um, and, uh, you know, this is going to be a very interesting tool for all tennis players, whether you have a Slinger bag or you don't. You'll be able to download the app. You'll be able to, um, you know, get some real time uh, 3D analytics. Uh, you know, from your video footage you upload, um, as well as being able to access all kinds of uh, media content from people like Darren and Moritaglu and Bolasieri and people like that, uh, you know, you know and, and there'll be access to all kinds of coaching tips and, and um, hundreds of drills that you can use to practice, you know, tennis, you know, any aspect of tennis, to be honest. So it's an exciting time for the sport. Sport tech is going to become a big thing uh, and it's coming to tennis mm -hmm. soon, so... 
Yeah, just uh, just more, a bit more on the on the app, Mike. It sounds like a, a really really exciting platform, and um, I guess the the kind of image that you're you're painting of it there is just like this this wealth of of tennis coaching knowledge. I guess is that um, I guess as well as the the analytical side of things, uh, is that kind of what you're going for? Like that, just that that wealth of knowledge, really. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think today's uh, you know recreation is such a big part of everyone's life these days. Um, you know, it's particularly, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, people have realized that there's more to life than work. And, you know, and so sports is, is going to become a real growth industry. And, and with that, you know, we want to try and um, make sure that as a company, uh, we offer a suite of services to the tennis player, you know. And so, of course, at one level, that's providing a slinger bag. So you've got a practice partner. On another level, it's, you know, giving the very latest uh, uh, analytics, uh, you know, and help you improve your game, whether you're a beginner or whether you're, you know, a, a top level player. Um, you know, this, this, the, the analytics that we're going to have available, you know, work for everybody. Also, of course, live coaching is a big thing. So we're, we're working with Darren and another of our, another of our top coaches to offer a, you know, a paid facility whereby, you know, you could get, you know, some live coaching from someone like Darren or Mara Tanglu or Bolletieri. You know, and of course, that's never been accessible to a tennis player in the past. You know, so, you know, imagine, Joel, you know, you want to learn how to, you know, hit a you know, better backhand and you, know, you, get, <laughs> you, you, get a, you get a 20 minute, uh, you know, information clip from Darren directly about what you should be doing. You know, but those are things that, you know, I think more and more people are going to be very interested in, want access to. And, uh, you, know, you know, everybody wants to try and improve, you know, whatever sport they play, they'd like to improve a little bit you know, uh, you know, day by day. And I, our app is going to try and facilitate that for everybody. So, and- I might, uh, I'm going to have to get on that because my, my forehand at the moment is a bit of a focus area. So if I can get Darren or, uh, or Patrick uh, on yeah. my side, I think I'm going to be pretty hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it's a, it's a bit like a fitness app, you know. So, um, you know, fitness apps these days, you know, they monitor your performance and they show you how you're improving and they encourage you to, you know, that encourages you to come back and visit the app every day. And that's what you're going to have in tennis. It's going to give you a score compared to everybody else who's using the app and, you know, for, for different aspects of your game. And, um, you know, that will encourage you to come back and see, hey, I wonder if I've improved, you know, my backhand over the last week. And it'll, it'll give you real time data to tell you how you've done. So that's going to be quite cool. But this is what we're after. I think, as you said, with the other sports apps and, you know, you've got, even when you go for a walk outside, you've got an Apple Watch yeah. on and you, you put the, you know, you say how far you've walked, yeah. how yeah. how fast you're going and, and all that sort of stuff. We've never had that in tennis unless you have a coach or unless you're watching on a fully-fledged broadcast coverage because that that's really all the money that that people have to invest. But when you go out and when you're, when you're just playing on a practice court, I think it's so important to have that uh, have that backup and just know where you where you know if you want to get better and if you want to play club pennant or something like that it's going to allow you to just take that next step and and it's an amazing initiative what you guys do and how how much has the pandemic actually helped in terms of developing the app and and developing the plans for the future of slinger bag yeah i think you know the 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 pandemic has given everyone around the world time to pause and think a little bit about, uh, you know, what, what uh, you know, how society is going to be different in the future. And I think in particular sport, you know, sport generally, you know, whatever sport it might be, has seen a, a huge uptick in, you know, levels of participation. Tennis has been a big beneficiary of that. And, 
you know, and I think sport in general, when it comes to sport technologies, you know, or technology in general, you know, sport is kind of a little bit behind the curve in that respect compared to other industries. But I think now you're going to see a rapid acceleration of all kinds of new tech coming to, to tennis. Um, because I, I'm going to, you know, this is a wild statement, but, you know, within three years, I think every court surface will be smart. You know, whether it's a tennis court or a, a cricket, you know, cricket pitches are smart now because the company we're working with in Australia is doing the AI analytics for cricket already. And it's working pretty well in cricket. So, um, you know, we're just adapting it for tennis. So, you know, so every court service will be smart. You know, now it's mobile phones, 5G, you know, are getting better. Video capture is becoming more easy. Um, you know, so I think all of these, these worlds are going to collide and, you know, you know, technology is going to be available at every level of the sport from the small club right to the most elite academy. You know, so... Uh, that's exactly yeah, what we, we want. We, we, we want yeah. that to be developed everywhere. We want all clubs to have a slinger bag. We want all clubs to be able to develop with slinger. And just before we do let you go, Mike, I want to ask you on your thoughts of tennis this year. What's, what's happened on the pro circuit, the ATP and the WTA? What have you made of it all? And, and what are your thoughts on the rest of the year and how it'll finish? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, on a, on a personal level, I was, uh, you know, the US Open was, of course, very exciting if you're British because uh, Emma mm-hmm. Raducanu, you know, and the women, actually the women's game, which is, I, I would say, has been a, a, a little unexciting, you know, uh, outside of, you know, wanting Serena to get the, the you know, win a, uh, you know, uh, high number of Grand Slams. Um, you know, it's been a little unexciting, but I think the, the young girls that are playing today, you know, that's going to make it a very exciting sport again. And, you know, the final, you know, I think here, you know, certainly in the UK because of Emma, but it was on live TV firstly, which was great, you know, so there's a, you know, a lot of interest in that. And I think it had 11 million people watched it here in the UK. So I think, you know, tennis is in a good situation on that side, on the WTA, on the men's side, personal disappointment that Djokovic didn't do the grand slam because I don't think anyone will ever do it now. You know, that's my, my view. And, uh, my hero is Rod Laver when I was a tennis player, and it was nice to see him sitting in the, on the court there. And you know, it would have been a great moment if he'd uh, if he, if if Djokovic had actually got part of the become part of that elite Grand Slam winning group, and and Rod had actually come onto the court and congratulated him. That would have been something special. But um, yeah, so but I think you know it's a changing time in men's game. You know, I think Djokovic has got a few more years, but I think Roger and Rafa and uh, of course Andy Murray. You know, those guys, Del Potro, you know, I think they're more at the end of their careers and there's going to be a changing of the guard. And, you know, we're going to see a, a time, I think, when more different players are going to win Grand Slams, you know. And, you know, you guys have got Kyrgios, you know, he's the future of tennis, in my opinion. You know, Nick, you know, if he, you know, he's a, someone people want to watch, you know, and that's what we want in tennis. Yes, he's controversial and yes, you know, but so is Jimmy Connors in his day or Macaro in his day. And Kyrgios has got all of that. He just, and he's got an unbelievable yeah. talent, so... Box office. Yep. Yeah, box office. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, tennis, you know, recognizes the changing of the guard and allows these younger players to flourish. Well, we hope so. We just need we just need Nick to stay on the park, and that's the main thing. If he, if he yeah, stays on yeah. the court and isn't injured and does the rehab work and and so on, that's when we know that uh, that, that Nick will actually get there and uh, and challenge for slams, which is the most exciting part about Nick Kyrgios. It's still very untapped, but. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the show to talk about Slingerbag, and you can go to slingerbag.com to find out more, to find out about the team, 
the vision, what they're about, and also you can get your Slinger Bag here in Australia at tennisonly.com.au. Just uh, head on the website and search for Slinger Bag. It is amazing and what a product, what an innovation it is, and it's transcending the tennis world, and, and we can't wait to see it flourish over the next few years with the app still to come. Mike Bellardi, CEO, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Val. Thanks, Joel. Have a good rest of the evening. Mike Bellardi there, CEO of Slinger Bag. What a product. What a product. I can't wait to see this in every club here in Australia, and I think all clubs should get it. So if you are a coach or or the owner of a tennis club or just anyone that loves tennis, please grab one of these and remember tennisonly.com or, and, and head to slingerbag.com as well. And it's tennisonly.com.au, not .com. But, yeah, um, what a product, Joel. Yeah, it's it's very innovative. And, you know, when you think about the things that it covers – it covers a lot of things. And I think what I what I love about it most, two things, Val, are just how how contemporary it is and the considerations for, for mobile and the fact that, you know, people charge their phones a lot of the time. <laughs> and uh, you know, the more accessibility to, to charging, the better. Yeah. Um and and secondly, and probably more importantly from a tennis point of view, um, the the ability of it to actually free up the coach. Um, it's just, it's essentially like having two sets of eyes uh, on on you as a player. Um, so really, I mean, if you think about it that way, um, you know, two sets of eyes, um, you know, twice the improvement, really. Exactly. And freeing up the coach is everything in this day and age because we want them to be able to help us more and, and notice things that when they're watching live and they don't forget about watching, then they can watch the replay of something. And it gives them more focus and more, not fo- focus, more ability to actually analyze what their pupil is doing and that's something that yeah, that's sure. really exciting we'll have to get mark safoulis on to talk about the the positives of something like slinger bag um in the future our great mates uh from the tennis menu but joel it is time for benoit of the week and you've come in on another long run and i'm very excited <laughs> i'm i love when you come in on a long run because i get to sit back i've got the popcorn ready and i get to just enjoy when you go off and you are ready today uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's only really one candidate, Val, this week for, for Benoit of the Week. Well, actually, I you know, should admit, as you said in the show, you had another one. But there I were think there's, there, a, there's a clear. There were yeah, two. I, I think there, there were two, but I if think you, there's a clear front one. If you think if and, you think you have a long run, I've got a massive <laughs> one for next week because I'm going to go off. So just stay yeah, tuned. We, you've got the length of the Flemington Strait for next week. Um, Longer. But um, I think... Yeah, even longer. Maybe the uh, the, the length Westgate of, Bridge, uh, the Melbourne Airport, the length of the Melbourne Airport runway that uh, isn't being used currently, or, but or um, the Westgate Bridge that was uh, stormed yesterday. <laughs> yeah, or the uh, Westgate Bridge, which actually yeah is probably probably a good segue because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the only the only uh, yeah it's got to go to the the, the protesters in in uh, in Melbourne. Um, yeah, I mean it start it started off as you know the tradies protesting about their tea rooms being closed, which in itself. <laughs> um, it's like, guys, come on. I mean, really, like, just <laughs> it's just a tea room. Like, you can, the, the, there's alternatives to that. But anyway, so that, that, that quickly evolved into, um, that quickly evolved into, into these far right idiots, um, essentially hijacking the, the tradie protest. And it became really something about, um, anti vaccination, um, you know, anti lockdown, which, you know the sentiment of anti-lockdown is is fine, but it was it's just the way that these people have carried themselves. You know, just the you know attacking the media, um, you know stopping traffic, just 
being a complete and utter effing nuisance. Um, and we should condemn the anti-vax stance to the absolute hilt. If I can get vaccinated, people, if you're not vaccinated yet, anyone listening to this, please just get vaccinated. Don't take that stupid fucking horse drug that Joe Rogan told you to take. Don't do it. It's stupid. It doesn't it's a, work. It's, it's for horses. It's appropriate that they were singing Horses by Daryl Braithwaite on the bridge. I never thought of that. I never thought of that, but that is extremely appropriate. Yes, that goddamn drug is for horses, people. Don't have it. <laughs> have the human vaccine that they have developed and poured billions of dollars into and spent thousands of hours researching and manufacturing. Do that so we can get back to the things that we want to do. And as for these idiots that just continue to cause trouble and just hold everyone back, a big effing F you to you. I, I, I was thinking about just going full on and just producing the double F barrel, but uh, I'm not going to. I'm going to keep it relatively civil. You guys are Benoit of the week. It's not a good Benoit. It's a terrible Benoit. You are all effing idiots. Piss off. Get out of Melbourne. Yeah, that's um that well that was an explosive one, Joel. I reckon that's probably the most explosive Benoit. Actually, no, I reckon I've gone pretty hard at times, but that was that was I think that was your most explosive moment on the show. Has to be. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I mean, not only yeah, it has to be, but it also yeah. had to be because it was a disgrace what we saw yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I've well, I honestly can't remember. Maybe other than you know a certain incident, I won't name the guy because he doesn't deserve to be named. Scum of the earth. Um, but an incident that we had in Melbourne a few years ago um, where you know, a few people died um, on the city streets. But I, I think maybe apart from that, it was certainly up there. Um, Tuesday was certainly up there with, the, the, I think, the darkest days that, that this city has ever seen. And it's just really, really, really affecting a lot of people's mental health. So, mm. you know, just seeing these people just completely bring bring this place down um, and really just hold everyone back and just only think about themselves um, is just really, really uh, frustrating, I guess, is, is probably an understatement. But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's not good. It's really, really awful. And, uh, yeah, it takes a special kind of idiot to, to do what these people have done. Well, the selfishness of the whole thing, I think, was the – was the big one for me. I, I just thought it was it was a joke. And look, Melburnians have been through enough, and we, we've just seen. Mm. Like, and and you're right. I think I was I was very close to mm. tears yesterday watching watching what yeah, was happening. And, oh, and and, and you know what else I, did, I didn't mention there, Val? The absolute tenacity of these people to go to the shrine of remembrance, mm. as 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 we we touched on earlier. My God, what a what an absolute insult to the people that have allowed these people to actually be born really and not <laughs> enslaved to some, you know, German or, or, you know, Yugoslavian, like, my God, I'm just, you, you can't go to the shrine and do that crap. It's, it's sacrosanct. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. Th that's all I can say. Uh, I'm still speechless. Uh, th that footage will live on. With me forever, and a special mention to Channel Seven Jono Paul Dowsley as well, who had urine poured yeah. on him and a, and a V can thrown at his head, which is an energy drink and um, abuse microphones thrown and and uh, um, grabbed around the neck by some of these protesters. It was by no means peaceful. It was by no means reasonable. It was by no means civil. And I think if any of these protesters are listening to this show, which I hope that some of them are, um, if you're listening, stop listening. Piss yeah, off. yeah, or or keep listening, but just be better. And tell your friends about no, us. No, go away. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's yeah. 
pathetic, absolutely pathetic. And I think these people really need to go have a have a hard look at themselves. And, and I think the image of that lady that was wearing a, a high-vis jacket and the, um, the T-shirt she was wearing said, not vaxxed, waxed, and ready to climax. I think that was probably oh, the... Yeah the epitome of the idiocy that came out of this entire out of this entire thing and yeah it's it's devastating and melbourne is broken at the moment and it's hopefully we can heal very soon and fingers crossed because it has been a really dark week in this city so yeah fingers crossed that we can come out of this on the other side but uh, Joel Frucci thank you very much for being part of uh, part of the show today it's been an absolute pleasure as always in very weird and bizarre circumstances which is, yeah, over the last year and a half, uh, that took some topping, but I think today tops it. Yeah, it's uh, it has been a weird week, but, uh, yeah, it's been uh, good to release a little bit and uh, talk about some, some tennis on the show. It was really good to hear from Mike as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, something positive uh, for the future. But, uh, no, nah, been a good show, Val, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next time. Big thank you to Mike Bellardi as well, and thank you, Joel. We will see you next week. And uh, it's been Val Ferber and Joel Frucci on Breakpoint Podcast. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook as well, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, not Apple Music, um, and Google Podcasts <laughs> as well. We will be coming out with our best-selling single very soon. Then we'll be on Apple Music. But uh, until then, uh, this has been Val Ferber and Joel Frucci on Breakpoint Podcast. We'll catch you next time.